Hi, and welcome back to The Lowdown. This week, we are joined by Justin Shi. Justin Shi founded the Cohab, now Sisson G, which is a really interesting intergenerational co-living concept. I've known Justin for some time, and it's been really interested seeing how his business model has pivoted as the market has changed around him. And I think that Justin's got a really interesting background story to doing what he does. Justin grew up with his grandfather and feels that the older generation couldn't offer so much more to younger generations and looking at hybrid way this could work together. We talk about Justin's vision of setting up his business and the setbacks he's come across along the way, as well as the importance of community and combating loneliness in today's highly connected world. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Hey, Tim. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I am really interested about your um, career and the cohab. Um, and it'd be really great to hear how you've got into doing what you're doing. Really, what is the main purpose of the cohab? Sure. Thanks. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's great to be here. And I'm, you know, a huge fan of you and what you're doing as well. So it's a great privilege. Um, yeah. So what, um, what are we doing in the cohab? Well, cohab is what we call intergenerational living. Um, and we are creating ways for older adults to live in communities where they can be connected and they can benefit from many of the support services um, that they might need, but they're still able to live in mixed age communities around younger people and families and all sorts. So whereas the options for older adults at the moment are quite limited in where they can move to, you know, it's typically a retirement home and many don't want to move to that environment where they're just around other older people, or they can kind of stay put in their house or they can maybe move somewhere there's not much of a community. We find, we find schemes where there is specifically already great community, they run events, they run activities, there's amenity spaces. And we then help these older adults to live in these schemes and provide them support services in there. So the, our customers benefit from all the same services and support that they would if they were in a, an assisted living scheme but they get to benefit from that while living in a multi-generational community around people of all sorts of different ages and really just living a completely normal, independent life in the same way that you and I want to. Um, and really that's because we find that, you know, old people are no different to younger people or any people. They want exactly the same things. They just sometimes need a little bit more support and a little bit more security and a little bit of help to do that. Justin, on a, on a personal level, what, what's 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 driven? Um, because before doing this, you were you were at JLL, is that right? I was, yeah, yeah. I was working in alternative investments there. Um, yeah, so I think you know what's what drove me to set this company up. It was it was two things really. The first was, yeah, from a personal perspective, I grew up living with my grandfather, um, who is a, like was an amazing, amazing guy. Honestly, so cool, so interesting. Um, and I benefited hugely from having grown up spending a lot of time around him um, and, you know, just the knowledge, the com companionship, 
just the perspective you get on life from having knowing someone who's much older than you and having a close relationship with them and likewise he always said that having me around and my siblings around you know we kept him active and engaged and we got him on the internet and really basically helped him stay um attuned with with modern life and stay up to date and stay kind of young at heart really um and so from a yeah from a social perspective i i'd always known that there is huge benefits to intergenerational relationships yet they are increasingly harder to come across nowadays, particularly because the way that the built environment works is people tend to be siloed. Um, whereas we used to live in villages and on streets where we knew everyone, that doesn't necessarily happen so much now. Um, so that was the kind of social perspective that had been you know, going on in the back of my mind. And I think the the other key insight is more the commercial insight, you know, working in that market talking to retirement home operators and developers what you hear is this kind of very real excitement that retirement homes are the next big thing and sure like it's a it's a growing market it will grow but when you talk to most older people most of them tell you they don't want to move into these things and most of them tell you they actually want to live in mixed age communities they want to live in their own home they want to live you know anywhere but there often um and that made me think that the way that we're building homes for older people at the moment is not actually the blueprint for how most older people will live in the future um, and off the back of that we did a huge amount of research and there's a lot of insights talking to a lot of older people and what came back time and time again was people saying I don't want to live just around other older people although I may be 90 and I feel physically old sometimes and limited I can't do the things I used to I actually don't want to be in an environment where I'm just around other older people, I want to be in a mixed age community, I want to be in town centres, I want to be living my life independently and surrounded by people of all walks of life. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, that's the real why of why we're doing this. There's a clear social angle and there's a clear commercial angle. And then just from a personal level, being someone like yourself who's um, grown up like in the background you've had, have you seen a benefit for younger people as well? Uh, you know, it's really interesting talking about the concept of community and loneliness. And we often think about loneliness being connected to the older generation. But I think you know, there's a huge amount of research coming out at the moment for um, young people, and especially during the pandemic and the loneliness, the impact that's having on their lives. You know, for someone, you've clearly had first-hand experience of, of having that. And, and it'd be really interesting to hear about your insight on a personal level on that side. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, intergenerational living in all forms is completely mutually beneficial it's not just about younger people helping older people and I think when I first set this business up I I did think it was more about younger people helping older people and as time went on and I speak to more younger people I realized that actually there are so many younger people out there who want to be living in more of a family style environment but find it quite hard to access that in the market at the moment um, and you know we've, we're inundated with people signing up on our website younger people saying yeah I've just moved from Yorkshire from Italy from America I really I'm living in London I'm living in Bristol and actually you know I, I'm not meeting people of, of a mixed age group of a mixed demographic I want to live with someone who's much older and we can just have we can chill out and get to know each other. Like all those things are really lovely. And there's a lot of research done to show that 
it's very good for younger people's mental health to be around much older people. Um, and yeah, the lonely pit and loose piece is really key as well. I think we all, um, it's very easy for us to kind of think about loneliness for older people. It's the, I think because the problem is often quite obvious, uh, you know, isolation can be there and it's, it's easy to see an older person not speaking to people as much. But actually, if you look at most of the studies, they show that loneliness is as prevalent, sometimes more prevalent in younger people than it is older people. Um, I think it just manifests itself in a different way sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, no, look, hundred percent. I, I think the, the the importance of community and the importance of having people around you, um, you know, in the world we're living at the moment, we've never been more connected. Uh, but at the same time, we've never been more lonely and we've never been more disconnected. The, the whole irony of um, of the modern world. Um, just drawing, you know, while you were at JLL, you, you had this vision and, you know, just from your own experiences, how, how difficult was it getting this vision off the ground? You know, what was what was the what was the feedback you had when you told people you were swapping? Um, I, I assume a stable um, income for the insecurities and trials and tribulations which come from running a small business. Yeah, I mean, how hard has it been getting the vision off the ground? It's so hard. I mean, and and I would still wouldn't say we've got it off the ground. You know, we're we're making real progress. But I mean, do you ever feel that you've fully got your vision off the ground? Do you ever feel you've completed your vision? Um, maybe you do. Maybe sometimes when people sell their businesses or they walk away, they feel they've completed it and done it. I think probably most people always feel they've never quite completed something because the challenges are so complex and ever-changing that can you ever can you ever solve a problem like loneliness or isolation um let's hope you can but it's, i don't think it's anything it's going to be an easy thing to do um uh, yeah so the challenges have been have been enormous um it's it takes a huge toll on you um it takes a huge the mental toll you know, you're just constantly thinking yeah am i doing the right thing like um is this the right approach would something else have been the right approach should i pack it all in should i give up um you know these are always always questions that every entrepreneur deals with um and you know i look at my friends and other people who are who are you know progressing in corporate jobs and so forth and you know often you think wow that's that look great you know they're they're working less hard than me and they're earning way more money than me and they are have a stress-free life it's like why am i doing this <laughs> so um, but i think something that often gets me through is i think um i think it's very easy when you are when you haven't taken the leap and you aren't doing it to think about risk in a slightly different way and i think um i think people always I, I, I basically think there are two types of risk, right? There's the short-term catastrophic risk, which tends to get our attention the most. And that tends to be the thing about, you know, can I pay my rent in three months time? Can I, um, am I doing the right thing? How am I compared to my peers? Am I um, wasting my time in this, it, it, over the next three weeks, launching this little product or, uh, you know, just those kind of like very short-term things. Um, and I think humans are designed to think about that because you know, we are designed to survive and that's going to be your survival instinct. But then I think the more acute risk is the kind of longer term chronic risk, 
which is actually about, and that's what the real risk I see is that you look back on your career in 10, 20, 30 years time, or you look back on your life in 30 years time and you think, oh, okay, actually I didn't take that opportunity when I could have, I chose the easy option and do I regret it? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, often people do. And I think I'm more afraid when I look at it objectively of that um, kind of long-term chronic risk, because that's the thing that really cripples people when they have regrets. Um, and I'd like to think at the moment that I won't regret putting all my time and effort into trying to build this. Uh, I completely, completely agree with you. Um, on a personal level, on my side, I think that people can perceive a brand and an image and, you know, they don't see the reality of what's going on underneath it. Um, just listening to you speak, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sad. I, I spend a lot of time reading self-help books and writing quotes down. And actually, one of the quotes which has come to me again and again is a Winston Churchill quote, which is, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. And um, I've often found that's something I've kind of come back to again and again, because I think that in business, we see we get to a certain level and that that is success. And you get to that, you agree a target, you get to that target, and then it's on to the next one. And I think the same with failure is that we can see that crippling, crippling failure is the end. And it's building mm -hmm. a resilience around that and building the courage, um, which is ultimately all that matters. Um, Justin, just, just talking a yeah. bit about, about the cohab, because I think one thing, um, again, I'm really interested about, and I think you've done really well, is your business has, has pivoted, right? You, you've slightly changed direction in terms of what it started out to be to where it's going now. It has. Uh, it's gone through many, many different iterations. And actually, we've just launched a new product a couple of months ago, um, which is really exciting. And it's called Citizen G. Um, and it is helping older people live in built-to-rent schemes. Um, and it effectively is helping, yeah, older people live in built-to-rent schemes. We provide a layer of service on top of what they already get in their built-to-rent scheme in their operation. Um, you know, all the kind of services that you would get in a retirement home or an assisted living scheme that you wouldn't otherwise get in built-to-rent. So it allows our customers to benefit from all the same services they get in the assisted living scheme but live in a multi-generational community and be around people of all ages. And it's a way more affordable option. It allows them to kind of build up their care and support rather than coming at a top level so that they can become a little bit younger and as their needs change, they can stay there. Um, and we've just launched our first three buildings in London, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, we're getting really good traction with that. Um, but that pivot, you know, when you talk about failure, you know, that pivot and this new product we're launching, that came out of a big insight of failure, right? I mean, we spent a long time trying to raise money for a particular scheme, um, which we failed to raise money for in the end. And off the back of that, that made us think, okay, well, uh, do we need to now, do we need, did we actually need to buy that scheme and develop it? Can we actually work with a product that is 80% of the way there already and add 20% on top? Um, and actually, if we do that, we are creating a much more affordable product uh, for our customers, which could potentially be a much better customer experience. So um, I wouldn't have had that insight. Well, there's no way we could have gained that insight and ended up in the place we are now if we hadn't have gone through that process of failure. It's, you know, it's that iterative 
process of you know getting knocked back and then you think okay well that was a big knockback i can't continue with that i'm not giving up on the business so i've got to figure out something else and that's where you know perseverance and continuing the market and just time in the market um brings you to different insights and different realizations and helps you create better business yeah oh look that's look, justin really really proud of how that's changed for you um you. you're so you're operational now uh, yeah, we are. We're on, our, on the first three buildings, yeah. Great, great. That's definitely something I think I found on a personal level is that when you're starting out, access to finance and funds is difficult. And mm-hmm. I mean, I always look at the house building um, market and there's five or six big house builders which dominate the uh, the UK market. And it's very difficult to start out with um, no track record, and nothing against your name to go out there and, and, and raise money. And I think that getting a product operational is, is often the, the easiest route to market and building that momentum around there. Um, yeah. And have you found that sort of given you a, lease of, a new lease of life now that rather than kind of looking at a longer term vision, you're suddenly like, look, we've got a product we can play with now and we can scale this? Yeah, definitely. Completely new lease of life. Um, it's kind of more, yeah, it's just like feeling that progress and that traction daily or weekly as opposed to um, quarterly, <laughs> effectively, which is what, you know, when you're doing development, it's, it's about. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a pretty life. And, we, and we've kind of built a new team around that product as well, which is really exciting. Um, we're spending much more time talking to customers, which I find really rewarding. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And I think your point on yeah, the challenges of being a young person with, you know, trying to innovate in this space is hard. You know, this is a real estate is still controlled by a small number of old men, really. It's a mafia game, particularly in a place like London, um, which is one of the most competitive real estate markets in the world. Um, there's not a lot of room for innovation and doing new things and new ideas. Um, that that said, you know, it's possible. You've done it. We're trying to do it. Others are doing it. Um, you just got to work up from the bottom, change things incrementally, and eventually you start making big change. What, what, it's a really interesting point because um, I'm in full agreement in terms of my own personal experience. And you look at real estate, such a massive industry, and yet it's controlled by a real minority yeah there's a lot of talk about diversity inclusion um esg agendas is becoming more and more prominent what what needs to change to first and foremost i think attract uh, a wider range of um talented innovative individuals into the industry um what, what do you think needs to change because clearly the system's not working i would challenge you on that last point the system is working very well for the people who it's working well for, right? So those, the mafia or the mafia, that's, that's not the right term, but you know, the guys who control all the real estate and who run the companies, like life is actually very good for them. And it's probably unless you're like a retail landlord or something at the moment. Um, like, you know, it is working well for them still. Um, so I, I, you know, there's a lot of people might talk about, oh, you know, the industry needs to embrace diversity, needs to embrace ESG or whatever. I don't really think many people actually care about it. I think maybe people say they do and they might post like things on LinkedIn about it, but like really, really how many people 
actually thinking about that in their day-to-day jobs in the you know big real estate companies at least how high is it on their agenda um i think so that's not a particularly positive way of looking at it but i just don't think enough people care ultimately i think what it takes is um new innovative companies and new innovative people who do care like i know you do and like i do and some of the you know our our contemporaries and the people we we know who are trying to innovate in the space like we're the ones who will change it um and when we do and there's a movement behind that it will become the people who have not changed will be stuck and it will become very hard for them to mitigate it so it's like it comes back to that kind of short-term versus long-term risk that we were talking about earlier it's like actually the short-term risk for these people is is very minimal because they don't life is still very good for them and they don't really care so they don't want to change and they don't feel they don't need to change but in the long term they will the tide is turning that way the tide is turning towards esg it's turning towards promoting diversity and quite rightly as you know we both agree it is thank, justin thank you very much mate that was um that was really great um it was awesome chatting with you and um you know genuinely on a personal level i've got a huge amount of um got a huge amount of respect for you i think it's um i think what you've done is is really amazing and and it's uh, like i say it's just you carry on doing what you're doing and it's it, it's it's only going to get um it's only going to get bigger for you as well i think you're i think oh, you're going to, i think you're into a great market for a start and i think you're very well placed with your vision um your enthusiasm um and your background to execute it so um yeah the world's your oyster well i wish you all the best of luck too Justin, thank you so much. That was really fascinating and inspirational talk. I'm so excited to see the journey you're going on with Citizen G and looking forward to catching up with you in the next six to 12 months to see where this journey takes you to. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to The Lowdown. We've really enjoyed making this and speaking to some really interesting experts in the industry from estate regeneration and affordability to community and workspace culture. If you have any questions or feedback on what you'd like to hear in future episodes, please do get in touch. Info at thelowgroupltd.com. We are talking to other people at the moment and making some more episodes and we're really excited to see where this goes to. All the best for now.